Hi, it's Tony Kornheiser. The podcast is coming up in just a moment, but the sales weasels have got some sponsorships up front. Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. I have talked to my friend Wayne Turnage, who is involved, he's like the head of DC Health. And I've talked to my doctor, Dr. Kaguchi, both of whom have said to me, look, get the shot, but you need to make sure this is the most current vaccine. Do not take the old vaccine. It's, don't do it. Or as Dr. Kaguchi said, don't take the bivalent vaccine, to which I replied, I thought bivalent was a whale. I didn't, I didn't know it was a vaccine. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. We are one short again today. Michael's still feeling a little bit under the weather. Expect him back on Wednesday, which yes. would be lovely. The weather in Washington, D.C., for those of you who are not in Washington, D.C., is okay. The temperatures are fine, but it's, it's persistent sort of drizzle, spotty yeah. drizzle here and there. I was on the golf course yesterday. I have to say this. I was on the golf course yesterday. I got very, very lucky. I, I wandered over to the course to Columbia about 8 o'clock in the morning. And, I, you know, Sunday is a sign-up day. So it's one of those days where if you don't have a group, you can't get on. You got to wait for an occasional dropout. And I got extraordinarily lucky that the group in, that was just about to go off the tee. So it means you don't practice. But okay. You know, I'll tell you what happens when you don't practice. But uh, the group that was supposed to go off the tee only had three. And, and they said, put on your shoes. Let's go. So I put on my shoes and I went and, and I was terrible. I mean, the one shot that I have to practice is the shot that is my undoing all the time, which is a short pitching wedge under 50 yards, which I blade constantly. It goes through the green. It costs me two shots. You've heard me say this a million times. But I was really happy. Um, I was playing with Matt and with Sam and with Kevin. I was really happy. And I was doing pretty well until I maybe nine or ten when it started to rain. Oh, now, yeah. Not heavy rain, but yeah, just a persistent, steady. steady, light rain. And I lost concentration. I lost interest. I, on, I To be honest, I just lost interest. You know, I didn't know whether I should come in or not. I didn't know whether we should quit or not. It was, it was on the verge of being heavy enough where you said, what are we doing? Right, yeah. What's what this? are we doing? So we're on like nine and then we play ten. Ten sort of goes inward and 11 goes outward 12 goes inward and it's always well maybe one more hole and, and then it, it got better but I had lost it I had lost it and I shot like 50 on the back and but I was really happy really thrilled to have gotten out yeah and the rain wasn't terrible it's just that I'm not really you know I'm not a pro I don't have to be out there in the rain <laughs> like, like the if point? I'm not there and I go and I sit and have some coffee it's okay <laughs> I can go out the next day it's okay <laughs> You know, so was was the rest of the group sort of like with you, like, well, you know, let's just see how was, it is. Everybody was saying, uh, should we go on? You know, it was and it was sort of like if it goes on like this when we get to twelve or when we get to fourteen, when we're close to being able to come in. You know, it was it was that. Right. I was so happy to play, but I, you know, I'm not good in not good in the rain. So we so that has been our weather. Even this morning when it was supposed to be bright and sunny, that same persistent weather. Um, Chessie doesn't mind being in that weather, light rain. She doesn't, doesn't she's a dog yeah. after all. Yeah, and she's she a, doesn't make these decisions based on weather. Right. You know, I mean, if it's teeming out, she's not going to want to go. I well, understand she, that, but it's, it's not that. And I should say to people, and we are, this is something that 
You know, I talk about a lot. It's dark now. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, it, there's some light in the sky by 6.40, 6.45. There's light in the sky. But you can tell that in two weeks, that's going to be gone. Yep. And we're headed for no light in the sky till 7 o'clock in two to three weeks, I would think. Yeah. Right? And that's always a little bit it's depressing. it's depressing at the end of the day as well when you're like oh it should be nice and i could go for yeah. a walk and it's yeah it's pitch it's black dark. Out. it's dark um but i did you know i was happy i played golf on friday took friday off from pti played with mike uh mike's in the air now so we he's not on today he'll be on on wednesday but he played 12 holes i was really happy uh that wilbon got out and played 12 holes got tired but i was so happy to play with him yeah you know he's he was hitting it pretty good by Played 12, so I'd say by 8 or 9, he was hitting it pretty good. I mean, better than he was hitting it before. That had to be fun. It's thrilling for me. I'm very happy. Very happy. Um, what are my notes? Oh, I, I, feel, I felt that because today we have Tim Kirkton on to talk about baseball, and we have Chuck Culpepper on to talk about college football and Dion, that I should talk about pro football. I should just tell you about some of the notes that I took yesterday. And these are notes written in real time, and, you know, One note is Jordan Love, 0 for 4 on his last possession versus Atlanta. So when you want to tell me he's Aaron Rodgers and he's Brett Favre, I'm going to just push back and say 0 for 4 on his last possession versus Atlanta. Arthur Smith, the unknown large coach of the Atlanta Falcons, he's down three points. No, I'm sorry, he's down two points. He's in field goal range late in the fourth quarter. He's got a fourth and one. He does not kick the field goal. He goes for it and makes it. The next time this happens, he kicks the field goal. And that led to the Jordan Love last four throws. But Arthur Smith, onions. (laughs) Onions. Yeah. Yeah. Geno Smith, touchdown pass to beat the Lions in overtime. Geno Smith was, I believe, and should have been if he wasn't the comeback player of the year last year. Yeah. Geno Smith, who was terrible his first go round, is a good quarterback now. Kansas City, again, a very close win. Tampa Bay beat Chicago. A couple of things about Chicago. They wore orange jerseys and orange hats, and they looked terrible. <laughs> yes. They looked terrible. Whosever idea this is, it's a bad idea. That's not the Chicago Bears. No. Nope. They don't wear orange. That, no. No. Okay, am I clear on this? No. It was very confusing to see that. And, and they're no good. Just, and they, and yeah. Wilbon wants to tell you that the Bears, remember he said the Bears are going to win the division and Justin Fields is going to be great. Well, he's not great. No. He's potentially great. A lot of people potentially great. Baker Mayfield right now is better than Justin Fields. Baker Mayfield's had two good games. Yeah, yeah. Baker Mayfield is 2-0. I don't know how they're doing that because they don't have a squad, Tampa Bay. <laughs> no. Baker Mayfield is 2-0. Joe Burrow, nothing again. Yeah. Cincinnati is 0-2. They were 0-2 last year, so everybody says don't panic. But his calf is hurt again. Mm-hmm. That's, his first game was terrible. This game wasn't very good. Wasn't very good. Now, Baltimore's a good team. Baltimore is good, yeah. You know, Baltimore's a good team, but one very good. And it was at home for Cincinnati. Wasn't very good. Tennessee beat the Chargers. The Chargers are 0-2. There's going to be pressure on that coach. Is his name Brandon Staley? Do I have that right for I the Chargers? I believe you're right. Yes, I'll double-check that. They're 0-2, and they're scoring a lot of points. Like, they have enough points to win both games, and they're not winning. Brandon Staley. There's going to be pressure on Brandon Staley. Here's a note that I took in the third quarter of the afternoon games. Giants stink. 
That's what I wrote. Giants stink. And then I wrote, nope, down 28-7. Unbelievable. Tied it. Won it. Down 28-7 in the third quarter. Yeah, they looked like they were dead Tied in the water. it, won it, but maybe lose Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Like his last carry. Maybe lose Saquon Barkley. They won 31-20. I read something this morning. It wasn't as bad as initially feared, but he's going to be gone for a bit, for sure. Here's another note I took. Cowboys beat Jets, Giants, 70 to 10. Yes, combined. So, so they're the kings of New York. They're the kings of close in New York, New Jersey, close in New Jersey, Meadowlands, and New York City. They're the kings. They're up 70 to 10 over the Giants and Jets in the first two weeks. And for those of you, and I'll talk about this for no more than a minute. For those of you who I watched on television last week telling me how Zach Wilson was just going to be fine. Former players... Zach Wilson's going to be fine. Zach Wilson was tutored by Aaron Rodgers. Zach Wilson gets it. Really? Because one of us sitting here said, Zach Wilson's no good. If he was any good, they wouldn't have gotten Aaron Rodgers. Here's Zach Wilson yesterday. 12 for 27, three picks. Mm. You like that? Do you like that? Everybody who said Zach Wilson be just fine. 12 for 27, three picks, 170 yards. It's terrible. It's terrible. That's one of my notes. Um, yeah, I wrote Jets could use Rodgers. <laughs> and my other stuff help them, is yeah. about the Washington football team. Are they any good? They've beaten two bad teams. Arizona is a bad team. Didn't yes. the Giants catch him and beat him yesterday? Yes. <clears throat> Arizona's a bad team. Denver's a bad team. Sean Payton is going to rue the day he agreed to coach Russell Wilson and go to Denver. Because Russell Wilson is no longer, I know what Mike has said, that it was Nathaniel Hackett's fault, not Russell Wilson's fault. And I know Russell Wilson threw a Hail Mary at the end that was caught, but it was batted around and caught. It wasn't that his pass was somehow all that good, though it was long enough. They went out to a big lead in that game. I think it was 21-3 at some point. Yeah. And they just gave up the lead, Denver. And Russell Wilson, he's no longer an elite quarterback. He's an ordinary quarterback. He's just ordinary. And Sean Payton's 0-2. And there's a certain mythology about Sean Payton, about how great he is, and how great he is with smaller quarterbacks like Drew Brees. If they get to 0-4, if they get to 0-4, and I don't know what their schedule is, what if there's a quarterback change? Because Sean Payton believes when everybody says he's an offensive genius. What if there's a quarterback change? That's not a good team. Now, how about Washington? Washington got very lucky to avoid overtime. There was pass interference on the two-point conversion. Anybody could see it was pass interference, yeah. obvious pass interference, and it wasn't called because the referee said, let's just go home. Let's get out of here. <laughs> let's just let's, let's not miss the flight. Let's not go to OT. <laughs> let's get out of Denver while we can. But they've scored some points in two games, and Sam Howell has looked pretty good in two games. Um, the defense got a lot better in the second half yep. of the game yesterday. Chase Young had some very good plays. What if they're good? They seem to be <clears throat> internalizing Eric Bieniemy's offense. It's, you know, it's not, I'm, I'm not saying this because there's, uh, this has nothing to do with an ownership change. Nothing. But they're 2-0. They haven't been 2-0 in a long time. Again, they haven't played anybody. Right. These are not good teams. Arizona and Denver are not good teams. And I think in both cases, do they beat the spread? 
No, in the first case, they didn't. They didn't beat the spread with Arizona because they're favored by seven. Right. They beat the spread yesterday because yeah, Denver they, was favored. Yeah, they covered But they almost, they almost did not. Okay, <laughs> if it goes to overtime, there's a chance they're not going to beat the spread. It could be three or six. Yeah. You know, if it's a six, they they're not going to beat it. Speaking of which. Oh, do you want Denver's schedule? Yeah, what is it? Uh, up next, a tough one at the Dolphins. Yeah, that's a lose. Uh, but then, uh, and then at the uh, at the Bears. No, they can beat the Bears. Hosting the Jets. They can beat the Jets. At the Chiefs, hosting Packers. Okay. Yeah, so right. they got some tough games. Um, yesterday, because I'm concerned about everybody's bets, Carville's bets and Ma's bets and Chuck, Chuck Todd's Todd. bets and the Monkey's bets. Chuck Todd at one point picks the L.A. Rams to cover San Francisco favored by eight. San Francisco favored by eight. I write, with two minutes to go, I write X. Of course. X, yeah. Because San Francisco's up by 10. The Rams have no chance to win the game. And yet. Matthew Stafford starts to go down the field, gets within field goal range with three or four seconds to go. And you can't, even if you kick a field goal, you're, the game's going to be over. So you cannot get an onside kick attempt. It's not going to happen. And they kick a field goal. The Rams kick a field goal, so they lose by seven. <laughs> so they cover. And I have to change my X to a W. Lot of happy and people, I text sure. Chuck Todd, and he goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Mm. I mean, is that a gambling thing? I don't know. What is that? If you had what San Francisco, you are furious right totally now. Totally furious. So it's a pointless field goal. And yet, as with Chuck, if you had the Rams, you're like, well, that was lovely. Thank you. Well, Chuck, at the moment, instead of being four and two, waiting on the Cleveland Pittsburgh game tonight, is five and one. Five and one. It's a great week. The monkey Oof. took gas. A bad oh monkey. Oh, and three. He's one and Jeff Ma five, is two and two, waiting on Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Both Chuck Todd and Jeff Ma have Pittsburgh. Carville was three and three. He started out. Boy, oh boy, did he lose that Alabama game to South oh, Florida. Wow. Alabama only won by like 10 points. Yeah, they just don't you know, right. He won the Notre Dame game. Then he lost. You know how he says, take Joe Burrow. Take Joe Burrow. Well, you know, maybe he shouldn't take Joe Burrow. Because <laughs> right. they lost that game. Yeah, not now. He lost Chicago, Tampa Bay. He said Tampa Bay stinks. They do, but Chicago stinks more. But he won Atlanta, and he won Seattle. So we will, um, I just wanted to mention pro football in case you were wondering, because I didn't mention it. Well, we're not going to have guests, but we are, we're going to have guests. They're just not pro football guests. In fact, our first guest is a college football guest, Chuck Culpepper. When we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews or coverage of all the biggest stories in the nba our new show is the place to be five days a week download and follow beyond the arc on apple podcasts spotify and wherever you get your favorite podcasts this is the tony kornheiser show i used to love my homes but this college kid's got the allure can he be that good or are the defenses that poor? Shador, Shador, stole my heart for sure. <laughs> He's the creme de la cour. <laughs> he 
guns he throws can't bring him down A highlight film du jour The toast of Colorado Where they drink the drink of Adolf Coors Shador, Shador Hello, welcome, bonjour He'll be my first draft choice To be sure He scrambles around the backfield and then he'll throw a dime. What else do you expect from the offspring of Coach Prime? Some will say this veneration might be premature. A buffalo till he next transfers and some other college can procure. Shador, Shador. From Boulder to Kuala Lumpur, <laughs> legacy is secure. Shador. So anybody doesn't think Dan Byrne is brilliant, how about that? How does that taste? Come on now. It's brilliant. Come on now. It's totally brilliant about Thanks, Dion's son, Shador. And we'll get to that in a second. You don't even just say this. He's passed for about 1,500 yards in three games, <laughs> okay? If you didn't hear about him before, he's, he's got to be on everybody's draft board way high up, oh, yeah. way high up. Oh, Chuck Culpepper joins us now. And we will get to Shadour and to Dion because that's the story of college football. But Chuck was at the Michigan State, was it Washington game on Saturday? That's right. Not even a game. A Michigan State destroyed. Michigan State totally destroyed. They don't have a coach. This Mel Tucker thing, where is this going for the team and where is this going for Mel Tucker? Because I think I got a good answer on both. <laughs> I think it's going bad would be my answer. But what do you think? Yeah, I think bad for both. I think the, the way that looked was different from most, uh, what was the final score, 41-7 yeah. games, most 35 nothing halftime games. It was so hopeless. Now, I was a little bit, maybe a little more encouraged for them after listening to, you know, the, the acting coach, as the, as the term goes now, uh, uh, Barnett. And um, I think, you know, he's been a, one of those uh, Spartan pillars for a long time. He played there in the late 80s. He's coached there 15 different seasons. You know, so um, I, I, I guess they have a shot to, to, to make something of it. You know, after after the shock shock has worn off from what happened to them last week, but I also wonder if if things hadn't you know declined to some point anyway because they went eleven and two in twenty twenty one and five and seven in twenty twenty two and so and then this and so you just have to think you know maybe, maybe I don't know is the quality there I'm not sure they gave this guy a ridiculous contract. Like a $70 million contract based on one season. Totally ridiculous. Here's my feeling. Uh, I was in the newspaper business. You're in the newspaper business now. If there was any chance they were going to try and keep this guy, that would have been leaked already. We'd know. There would be something out there that goes, ooh, not so fast on There's no chance, right? There's no chance. I feel like there's no chance. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and, and, you know, that, that $95 million, um, people... People just, and we're about to talk about Colorado. I know it's a much funner uh, yeah. subject, but 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 it does have one of the same elements: is that people 
make decisions on such small windows of evidence now. You know, and it seems to get smaller and smaller where we all decide that, you know, hey, so-and-so was a great draft choice at quarterback or, or um, you know, so-and-so is our, suddenly our coach forever after, after one heady season. So, yeah, but I would say that um, I just don't see how he, he could proceed in, in that job. No, me too. All right. So in the last week and a half or so, we've had Pat Forty on the show who talks about college football for Sports Illustrated and on a podcast. And we've had Paul Feinbaum on the show who talks about college football and ESPN. Both guys said what I expect you to say. Oh, no, no. There's no other story. No, no, no. Dion is the story, the one story, the only story, right? Dion, right? I, I asked the Washington Post if they could just let me reside in Boulder for the, uh, yeah. for the uh, fall. Yeah, I mean, I was half joking. So, yeah, there is only, only that. And now it's going to Oregon, which is going to get maybe even, even louder. And these television numbers are, are staggering. And it kind of makes me, you know, laugh a little bit to think, well, you, gosh, you, you kind of, in a way, you, you tune in to watch a coach who appears on the screen how many times during the game? I mean, probably more than usual for him, but I don't know, 25 or 30 maybe. And um, it did the same thing when uh, they sold out their spring game. And I thought, wow, you know, people are, they don't know about Shadur yet, and he's marvelous, you know, uh, the quarterback. So yeah. they, at the springtime, they didn't know about him yet really. But they were filing into that game the star power of this is just is beyond what I would have expected and really beyond comprehension in a way. I agree with that. I mean, if I was Dion, I would turn back all of my money to the University of Colorado and just accept NIL money because he'd get $100 million because he is personally driving ratings beyond anything that you can believe. And that game started at 10 o'clock Eastern, didn't end till after 2 in the morning in the East. And I met three guys yesterday who watched it here all the way to the end. I knew Wilbon would watch it, but a lot of people watch that. Um, Dion, and, and it, I don't want to, it doesn't surprise me completely because Dion is one of the greatest self-promoters I've ever seen. And I, I don't know, not, I don't say that grudgingly. I love Dion Sanders. He said, it, remember, do you remember the, the fabulous sports babe on radio? What a great idea that was. What great self-promotion that was. This is Deion Sanders. I mean, Deion, Deion was on 60 Minutes last night, Chuck. <laughs> Deion's on everything, right? Right. I think it's the second time in a year on 60 Minutes. Yeah, and the, the self-promotion capability is just, which, you know, is a, a skill we admire in our country is just yes it's it's there's nobody there's no equal i don't think um and you know the whole thing about getting that that barb from the jay norvell the colorado state coach last week about wearing sunglasses and a hat you know when talking to adults for interviews and so on and um and and my my mother raised me not to do that and then and then, as part of the pregame talks with his players, he has his mother. He has his mother come in. Dion has his mother come in, and 
I just thought. And he has his own sunglass line. Right. You know, there's nothing you can say to him that he can't turn into something fabulous, right? Nothing. What a what a knack for the story he has. Oh, it's it's off the charts, and it's it's um. You know, I I went to that uh, to visit recently. That when I was still in Australia after the World Cup, that the punting academy that sends punters to the United States. That you know, twelve of the fourteen punters in the Southeastern Conference are from Australia now. And um, I was talking to this one coach, raised in England. Uh, lives in Australia. He's been to the U.S. He never lived here. And he just suddenly said to me at one point, I love everything about Deion Sanders. <laughs> and I just thought, wow. You know, most people don't know our American football figures very well. They might know who Brady is or something like that when you're abroad. But this guy, it just transcends. How good is his son, Shador? Is he a, is he a first-round draft pick? Is he an NFL player? Absolutely, and I'll tell you, I think both. I'll tell you what floors. I mean, I was at the TCU game, the the opener, and I was amazed at how polished they looked. You know, I think we all expected some sort of struggle in the beginning, of, or for it to look certainly sort of. They'd never played sort of, together. They're eighty new people, right? Yeah, and this whole thing of at a new level, Power Five after you know Shadour was and Travis Hunter, Jackson State. Uh, Shiloh, Dion's other son at uh, defensive back. You know, and the, I just thought they would look, there would be more snags, and it just didn't look like it at all. But what absolutely thrills me about him, you know, the, the skills, the arm, the ability to move around and create more time and all that, that's, that's all wonderful too. But he never, I, I just haven't seen yet a glaring mistake. There's never that, that bonehead play that you expect a, a, all quarterbacks to make it when they're when they're young, and we realize he's not that young. Uh, there's just never even a hint of some really really unwise decision, something forced. You know, he's thrown one interception in three games, and I, in the TCU game, which is the one I got to see the entire thing, he he just there was never a, even one moment I can remember where I thought to myself, oh, that's a, that's a questionable decision right there. He's just, he's, in addition to being, having, you know, talent and flair, he's so solid. Wilbon says Tom Brady has tutored him. Tom Brady? I mean, and it's, it's, um, it was quite some statement to, uh, well, with 2.06 to go in regulation Saturday or Saturday night. Starts at the, the two. Two yard line, yeah. Goes down the field. Um, and you, said I was thinking Brady. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. You have a great quote in, in that piece where you quote Dion as saying, Is this accurate? We can't lose to this dude. Is that accurate? Right. It's just so wonderful. <laughs> so wonderful. Yeah. Who said, you know, coaches never say those things out no. loud. No. Yeah. Um, there is a, a little reality here to get to. They were 23 and a half point favorite. And they were getting waxed in the fourth quarter. They've got Oregon at Oregon. Then they got, if they beat Oregon, which would be amazing, then they got USC, a game that will have the highest rating of any college football game of all time. That yeah. regular season game. That will be it. Chance? Do they have a, I mean, that's, a, that's actually not a great showing against Colorado State. 
That's true, and and I I did mention that I I think I I thought about why that didn't occur to me until about the twenty fourth thought watching that game, and I think it was was because it maybe is we succumb to the fact that it's just so much fun that uh, you don't kind of don't want to consider that right you know being down twenty eight to seventeen to them, and then you know. I was sitting there thinking at whatever it was, one forty-five in the morning by then or whatever, I was sitting there thinking, you know, the the pull and the, the effect of of having the motivational quote, the disrespect that you really, that they all really hunt around to find, which they got last week. And I, I thought that was going to have an effect. I'm not sure it did other than Dion saying we can't lose to this guy, but I don't know what effect that has. And so I was thinking, you know, that whole theme, you know, really sort of, sort of fizzled out. So I was thinking about all of that and, um, and not really thinking about, you know, that was a, that would have been a real dent of a loss in this whole, hundred percent, whole train. Yeah. hundred percent. Because of who it was. Yeah. You go to Oregon and you lose, you were one and 12 last year. Nobody understands how you're 3-0. and But if you lose as a 23-and-a-half-point favorite and your coach is out there on national television saying he disrespected this person, this is personal. That, of course, wears off within 30 seconds of coming right. out of the tunnel. I mean, <laughs> players, players go, oh, stop. You know, with that. <laughs> but it's fascinating to watch. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if I'm ESPN, I send the game day people there every single week. I, I just keep doing it. It's, yeah. it's money. It's money, kids, right? It, and it's, you know, the, and the other thing is that was already, I thought, I think one of the best places to go watch a game on Saturday in the whole country. I think of Wisconsin as one of those, you know, several of the other, Oregon is one of those. Um, and, and Boulder is just has so many fantastic elements, you know, for a Saturday. And, and now to place this, this great show on earth, you know, within it is just, yeah, it's irresistible. It is. It's totally irresistible. Thank you, Chuck. Talk soon. Thank you so much, Tony. Thank you. Chuck Culpepper, Washington Post. Wonderful. We'll take a break. Tim Kirkchin will join us. We'll talk a little bit about baseball as it winds down and Shohei Atani out. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser show. This is Don Stewart. We played his music many times before. Yes, we, we like his music we, very, very much. Very much so, yes. This is called Something Else. It's from his album, which is titled Don Stewart, Volume 42. And he writes, I'm not sure what I'm talking about, but I don't pay much attention to lyrics anyway. Remember, I'm the guy who thought the Beatles were singing Paint the Last Barn Black when they were actually singing Paperback Writer. <laughs> oh, and also, thanks for the tip about waiting to get the next COVID vaccine until the new one gets released. <laughs> Thanks for the show. Thanks to Don Stewart. Yes. Nigel, if people who uh, make music for a living and are independent artists want to get on this show, how do they do it? They can send us their original music uh, to jingles at com. Again, we ask that it's your music, not like, oh, my friend Bruce Springsteen, you should play his stuff. No, we need the permission of the artist. Just email the songs and the permission to jingles at com. Thanks. Tim Kirkjian joins us now. There's, there's a few topics without getting into who's going to win the wild card, which is, is you know, who really knows. But let's start with uh, the firing of Chaim Bloom by the Red Sox. Was that fair? Was, you know, was he told to do certain... Th- I mean, it, it obviously must hinge 
on two things, Mookie Betts no longer being there and the Red Sox finishing last, and maybe you can draw a straight line between the two. But was it fair to fire him, in your opinion? Uh, No, I don't, because I think he did what he was told to Mm -hmm. do, and that was to rebuild the farm system, which he has done to some degree, and trading Mookie Betts was part of that. Now, should they have traded Mookie Betts? Absolutely not. Has Heim Bloom done a good job? Well, he's rebuilt the farm system, and they're going to finish in last potentially three of the last four years. Right. So you can't say that he did a really good job. Right. And some of the issues with him is that maybe he didn't listen to enough people around him. He is a brilliant guy who has a good track record. But if you're, you have to listen to the people who really played the game in order to be your best as a young, brilliant general manager. But the bottom line here, Tony, is this is an ownership issue. The Red Sox were not willing to spend what it would take to re-sign Mookie Betts long-term and to make the team better after they let Mookie Betts go. So Heim Bloom was just doing what he was told. You rebuild the farm system we're going to get our finances back in order. So do I think it was fair? Uh, no, I don't think so, because he did what he was told to do. There is a follow-up question that nobody would have ever asked five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And it is this. Is this a good job? Or are there financial restrictions that make it not a good job to be the GM in Boston anymore? Tony, I'm not sure it's a great job to be the GM anywhere anymore because it is so difficult to do the job. There used to be a day where the general manager was in charge of everything and everything went through him. And now he's surrounded by so many people and there's so much stuff going on. It is an exceptionally difficult job. And yes, the job in Boston is really difficult because that is still one tough media. I mean, Dan Shaughnessy writes, my dear friend Dan Shaughnessy writes all the time, I told you they weren't trying to win, and everyone believed that they were. So no, somebody's going to get a great job as the Red Sox general manager, but it's going to be an easy job. It's not, because you better win right away. You better do what ownership tells you to do. Otherwise, you're going to be out also. Okay, we'll shift. Uh, actually, there's, there's a transition here. Dustin Pedroia provides the bridge to talk about Manny Machado, as Manny Machado destroyed his career. And some people think deliberately. Some people think that. There's a story that Manny Machado is at the center of the hurricane that the Padres are. They, they are, if not the most disappointing team in baseball, they're right there. They're in the conversation this year. And that Manny Machado is destroying the Padres. What can you tell us about that? Well, I think that's patently unfair that Manny Machado is destroying the Padres. Look, Tony, in spring training, before they lost a regular season game, I asked somebody there, what's going on here? And I was told, it's chaos here. Chaos. And that was in spring training. Four games. This is what happens, Tony, when you bring in huge personalities, great players who haven't played with each other enough, and then they have to figure out like, who's the alpha male here? Who's the best hitter on the team? How is this going to work? And they just didn't 
put that together because there were too many divergent personalities, Manny Machado being one of them. But to blame him just for this is ridiculous. The blame goes all the way through the organization, including to the owner who's done a magnificent job providing the money taken you need in order to build a team. But when you don't build it perhaps the proper way, this is what you end up with, this kind of talent that's six games under five hundred. There are three teams in the league that spent an awful lot of money in the last year, year and a half, two years. Two of them, the Mets and the Padres, stink and are terrible disappointments. One of them, the Texas Rangers, revitalized in the last week and a half, have been very good. So, so there's not, you can't draw a line and say if you spend a lot of money, it's bad, or if you spend a lot of money, it's good, right? You can't draw that line. Yes, but Tony, it is a young man's game now. Look at the Reds, look at the Orioles, look at the Diamondbacks. Young, hungry, athletic, aggressive kids who are just out there playing. That is the way to go. That's where the Yankees are going right now, and that's where the Mets are headed with some of the people that they have brought up. The Rangers, you're right, but the Rangers are also run by Chris Young, Smart guy. Um, who's, smarter than, who's smarter than you, Tony, yeah, smart by the way. Guy. And I mean that as a compliment to you yeah. also. And they're also run by Bruce Bochy, who knows how to run a baseball team as well as almost any manager other than Earl Weaver that I've ever been around. So they know how to take these divergent personalities, old, young, whatever, and turn them into a real baseball team. That didn't happen in San Diego or with the Mets or the Yankees or the Cardinals or a bunch of other teams yeah. this year. But the really good manager-general manager connection identifies, here's how we're going to win. The Rangers have done a really good job the last two years building that team. Max Scherzer, my warrior god, out. Is this it? Is, is this it for him? No, Tony. Look, when he pitched this year, when he was healthy, he was really good. Now, yes, he gave up way too many home, home runs. runs. His slider is not the pitch that it used to be. It used to be a wipeout, devastating pitch, and it's not anymore. They have figured it out. In fact, three years ago, Max Scherzer looked at me and he said, the hitters are now, not only do the hitters now know when I'm going to throw my slider, they know what my slider looks like. So he's had to make a million adjustments. The question is, Tony, how much has he got left in his arm? Yeah. He is so much smarter than everyone else. He recognizes a twinge in my triceps, a twinge in my bicep. That's, that's not good. That's going to lead to something way worse than what I have right now. So I'm going to shut it down, get myself healthy for next year. But is he going to stay healthy next year, Tony? That is a violent delivery. That's a ton of pitches that he's thrown in his career. He's closing in on 40. I don't think we're going to see him ever make 30 starts again. Let's put it that way. And I don't think we're going to see the guy who throws a no-hitter with 17 strikeouts too many more times. I was thinking that, that he's in that same position now as Aaron Rodgers. You know, wants to come back, says he'll come back, but you, you wonder, Not we get deluded, Tim. We look at Tom Brady, and we think everybody can do this, and they can't. They can't. Well, especially in the throwing of a baseball, Tony, we have lost sight of the fact how unnatural emotion that is for the human body. And when you throw as many pitches 
in such a delivery as Max Scherzer, eventually it's going to wear you down. And that's maybe why you don't give him three years at $43 million a year. He is a warrior, but, but he's also smarter than everyone else, and he knows I'm not going to be any good if I try to throw with my arm feeling this way. And he's also so prideful of the way he pitches. If he's going to go out there and give up four more homers because his arm didn't feel right, he'd rather not pitch at all. All right, let me get to Otani. They shut him down. He took his stuff out of the locker. You take your stuff out of the locker, that's saying goodbye, kids. Um, What do you think happens to him next year? And do you think he'll ever pitch again? Yeah, I think he'll pitch again, Tony, but he's not going to pitch next year. And he's not, I don't think, is going to pitch like he's pitched before. That is 30 starts and just dominating stuff. Because I think he's going to need a second Tommy John surgery. And anyone who has two of those, the the numbers say usually don't come back really good from two. I think he's going to sign somewhere other than the Angels. I would guess at this early moment that the Dodgers would be first in line to sign him. I actually thought until recently that the Angels had a chance to re-sign him because they were allowing him to to do at his schedule whatever he wanted to do. Here's what I'm going to pitch. Here's what I'm going to hit. Here's how we're going to do this. The Angels allowed him to do that, and they should have because he's unbelievably good. But now that the Angels are this bad, they've just taken a farm system that didn't have much and gotten rid of several others in order to try to win. Now they're in the worst possible scenario. They're going to lose free agent players like Lucas Giolito. They're going to lose. They've already lost him to the Indians, and they're going to lose um, Shohei Otani. That's the way I see it now, and I find that to be unfortunate on a level, a lot of levels, including for Mike Trout. Well, they even said if Mike Trout wants a trade, we will consider accommodating him. They've thrown in the towel, right? Well, they're in a lot of trouble right now. But, Tony, look, we trash teams all the time for not going for it. They tried. At the trade they tried. They tried. They tried. They tried extra hard. I find it. I find it a bit odd that we we trash someone for trying too hard to win. They were trying to win to show Trout and Otani, we're going to win here long-term, and you're going to be with us. And it didn't work. They took a gamble, and it didn't work. And now we'll see where it goes from here, but I, I can't see it being very good for the Angels moving forward, especially next year. I'm not going to trash them at all for trying hard. I'm going to applaud them for trying hard, but I will ask this. When people talk about Otani going to the Dodgers, is there some indication, is that because he likes living there, that it's closer to Japan than any other place? I mean, I'm just sort of wondering, why does everyone assume it's the Dodgers? Well, we're not assuming, Tony. We're guessing that this is the best landing spot because they're really good, and they're going to be really good for a long time. He has already become the most remarkable player that anyone has ever seen. Absolutely. So so that's done. He's going to win his second MVP this year, and it likely will be unanimous. So now he has to say, all right, as he maps out his entire life and his entire career, he says the next thing I have to do is win a World Series. Where is the best chance to do that? Oh, the best chance will be hitting behind Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman with the Dodgers, and I won't even have to move. 
That's why it makes so much sense. And the Dodgers, who are so good at this, have saved an enormous amount of money over recent years waiting for him to become available. And now he will be. Again, I'm not guaranteeing anything with, with the Dodgers and Shohei. It just makes sense to me that the Dodgers make the most sense for him. Makes sense to me, too. Thank you, Tim, as always. We'll talk soon. Okay, Tony. See you. Tim Kirkchin, boys and girls. We will take a break. We will come back with email and jingle. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. That is a euphonium, and that is Phil Coleman playing the euphonium. And it's quick, and it's lovely, and it's weird in its own way. <laughs> yes, it do is. Do you want to do the Bethesda Bagel app, please? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. Got the bagel sandwiches today. Always excited about that. Bethesdabagels.com. For the location in the D.C. area near you, then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. That's it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, he went away, and you hung around and bothered me every night. And when I wouldn't go out with you, you said things that weren't very nice. <laughs> and then it goes, my boyfriend's back. <laughs> He's going to save my reputation. My boyfriend's back. You'll take a permanent vacation. Hey, now, hey, now, my boyfriend's back. You know, um, what is what are some of the other lines? You're going to be in trouble. If um, I were you, I better, I would cut out, out on, on the, the double. double. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just, it's a very threatening song. It is. Uh, and the boyfriend is going to come back and just beat yeah. the living snot out of this guy. <laughs> it's it. You've been spreading lies that I was untrue. True. So look, look out, out now. Because <laughs> he's coming after you. No, it's the angels. Yes. I didn't know who did it. I knew all the words. I just didn't know who did I it. I mistakenly said it was the Shangri-Las. And that, no, that I was, said it wasn't yeah, the yeah, Shangri-Las. Clearly I was wrong. I, know, I knew it wasn't the Shangri-Las. Yes. The angels. Thanks to our guests today, Tim Kirchin, Chuck Culpepper. Thanks to our sponsors today, Game Time, ZipRecruiter, Simply Safe. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple, please leave us a review. So here are some emails for today from John Donnelly in Enfield, New Hampshire. We learned on Friday's pod that the Target on Wisconsin Avenue opens at 7 o'clock, but the pharmacy inside doesn't open until 9. I could hear the scratching as Peter Jennings in Japan and Adam in Melbourne put pencil to paper to take note. Information for life. From Craig Copeland in Owings Mills, Maryland. Before I drive down from Owings Mills to Evelyn and Emily's pharmacy in Target in order to get my COVID shot, I was hoping you could send out the discount code on the podcast. I'd like to use the code, people. I was not charged for this shot. Um, I think insurance or everything else covers this yes. shot. Yeah, sort of like the, what I think. Like sort of like the flu, flu shot. shot. Exactly. From Adam Benson in St. John's in Newfoundland. I love your pharmacy stories and hearing about the wonderful service. I'm just wondering, with all the pharmacy visits, how long until Evelyn is picking games or brackets? <laughs> I even have a jingle. See the pharmacist, she's fill, fill, filling. Shots and meds, she's out here giving. Well, giving doesn't rhyme with filling. Yeah, you got to work on the lyrics, man. Adam, come on, man. <laughs> From Charlie Burtz in Springfield, Virginia. So who is on your Mount Rushmore of pharmacists? I mean, obviously, Evelyn made the list. Yes. But she's going to have a tough time matching up against Mr. Gower and It's a Wonderful Life, Ooh. Billy Crystal and The Princess Bride, and James Garner in Murphy's Romance. And if you don't want to bump one of them, are you stuck giving the shaft to Friar Lawrence for Romeo and Juliet? Although, honestly, what the bleep was he even doing there, man? <laughs> These are the internal debates one has when lock lacking a new episode to enjoy. Must like another favorite of mine. If T-Boy Latchley... Married Mr. T, would he become Mr. T, boy T, or just T, T? <laughs> uh, from David Goldstein, DG. DG. 
Happy New Year to the whole Mishpucha. Regards, well, TJ. And happy you, New Year to everyone out there. And another one. Um, it ain't McConnell's, but not bad. And he sent a picture of an oh. ice cream. Oh, you're, gonna, you're not going to be happy. It's an oat milk <laughs> ice cream. We're not going to have oat milk. We've done that. And yeah, there we, is no such thing as oat milk. No, we've tried There's it. There's no such thing. Uh, from Scott Dean, does this count as a David Aldridge moment? Oh, he's on a pony. Yeah. Oh, he's on a pony at some uh, pony rides, $5 per ride. And I would say it doesn't because the child isn't tall enough that its legs aren't on the ground as it's right. on the pony. Right. Uh, dear Dr. Tony, pecans are for truckers. Pecans are for pies. Tell Michael from Ben Danner. In Southport, North Carolina. I always thought it was pecans. It's not pecan? It's not. I thought it was pe- pecan pie? Pecan, pecan, pecan pie. Right. But the emphasis wasn't on the P. Yeah, it's I think at Southern, I've always thought they said a pecan pie. I thought um, that's how they said it. I guess I, I'm getting it wrong. Uh, from Mike Chaput, not Chaputzva, but Chaput, <laughs> or Chaput, in Aiken, South Carolina. I have been to Aiken. General Hospital, 61 years. The Simpsons, 34 years. PTI, 22 years. Great effort. Orange slices all around. <laughs> from Sam Fritz in Schaumburg, Illinois. Are we re- doing ridiculous Joe Franklin show stories now? Just before his death in 2015, Joe Franklin appeared on Gilbert Gottfried's podcast. One of the stories Joe told was about the night he had both James Dean and a newcomer named Al Pacino on the same show. During the peak of Dean's fame in 1954 and 55, Pacino was somewhere between 14 and 15 years old and not acting anywhere professionally. Joe also claimed he had an affair with Marilyn Monroe. And that's why Joe Franklin was and always will be the best. Uh, from Rob in Winnipeg, in Canada. I was listening to the pod while giving my kids a bath, and during the chicken ranking segments, my five-year-old son asked why I listened to this. I honestly couldn't think of a good answer. Let me know if you have any ideas. <laughs> Love the show. Not nah, you know. Uh, Mike Todd, not that Mike Todd, Chuck and Roxy 233 in Columbus, Ohio. Dear Dr. Tony, quick question. Do foxes grow up to be chimps? I'll hang up and listen. No, I got that wrong, but I've thought about this a lot. They move like cats. They have a very feline they quality to them. They don't move like dogs. Yes. They yes. don't. And they look like cats. They have a feline. They don't look like yeah, dogs. Air about them, I'm yeah. sorry. Justin Johnson, a club member in Arlington, Virginia. I have no idea what the guy to the right of the house directly across the street does for a living. <laughs> you got to get to work, um, man. Patton. Patton Hunnicutt. You mentioned Route 40 in South Jersey on a previous pod. Yeah, I had to drive down Route 40 to visit my daughter and son-in-law, and I had to put in a word for my adopted home state in New Jersey. You've likely passed it before, but if you haven't tried it, check out Laps Olympia Dairy Bar in Carney's Point, home of the infamous DuPont plant on the river that'll be in litigation until the heat death of the universe. The sort of sleepy roadside diner you just don't find anymore. It's open seasonally, so it's likely closed after Labor Day, but definitely something to pin on your map app. Michael can show you how to do that for future. They have ice cream, barbecue, burgers, all the good stuff that kills you just a little faster but makes it worth living in the garden part of the Garden State. From John Morgan in Jonesboro, Arkansas, can you please send along a message to Rick? It's Devins or Devins, our guy from Survivor. I want to say Devins. I want to say Devins. He's, yeah. a, he's on TV. Yes. Official Survivor contestant the Tony Kornheiser Show. Just let him know that I'm finally watching his season of Survivor. <laughs> and his orchestration of getting Julia voted out was brilliant. <laughs> La cheeserie, Mr. Devins. Well done. From Brian in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Listening to the pod on my morning walk, I was passed by a Subaru with lit Christmas lights on the roof rack. Come on, man. What are we even doing here? 
P.S. Reading this on the air might get me to 5 and 11. Not so good, but there are others that are worse, like Tim and Dustin, who can eat at Saliz. And uh, one more from Jimmy in Cincinnati. Watching the Pirates and the Nationals Thursday afternoon on MLB. I was doing that, too. I was thinking how there are only 33 of us watching the game. You, me, and the 31 people in the stands. We should introduce ourselves. I just said who I was. Tony, you want to start off with your name and where you're from? Yeah. Uh, Chuck Todd, Chris Eliza, and us. You know, I even watched yesterday. I I cut away during the football every once in a while. And that's got involved in a... Um, in an overtime game, they won in the eleventh. I missed the ending. I missed the ending. I stayed through the tenth, but um, so they, Finnegan worked his way out of trouble. I think in either the ninth or the tenth. It, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm gonna do it till the end. Yes, I'm gonna do yeah, it. Yeah, you're the faithful. End. Yes, you know, I'm just, I like it. What can I tell you? If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Hey, Dad. Dad, honey. Tony. Dad, Tony. Tony. Listen up. I used to love my homes, but this college kid's got the allure. Can he be that good, or are the defenses that poor? Shador, Shador, stole my heart for sure. He's the creme de la cour. He runs, he throws, can't bring him down A highlight film du jour The toast of Colorado Where they drink the drink of Adolf Coors Shador, Shador Hello, welcome, bonjour He'll be my first draft choice To be sure He scrambles around the backfield and then he'll throw a dime What else do you expect from the offspring of Coach Prime? Some will say this veneration might be premature A buffalo till he next transfers and some other college can procure Shador, Shador from Boulder to Kuala Lumpur, his legacy is secure.